0: What would you put in your backpack if you had a new coaching engagement but could only take a limited number of items? Each week, the Coach's Backpack looks at the multifaceted world of coaching and asks a new guest to tell us what they would take with them and why. Hi, I'm David Lowe, and this week we're taking a peek inside the backpack of Sorrel Roberts, personal and professional development coach. Welcome, Sorrel. Hello. First of all, before we get into the type of coaching that you do, uh, could I ask you to describe what you do in under twenty words.
1: Okay, I, I thought you might be asking me this, so I did have a go at whistling it down. But so here it is: um, I work with people to increase their capacity to access ease and perspective, independent of circumstances, to increase their possibilities. Which I believe is twenty, not less than.
0: <laughs> I will only find out later when I get my abacus out. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Okay, well, look, here is the concept. You may well know it, but you've been asked to coach a new client, but you're mm. limited to what you can take with you. So you've got your essentials, your clothes, and your toothbrush. And in addition to those, you can take one book, one tool, technique, concept, method, approach, or whatever you want to call it, mm. one other item of your choice, plus a person from the past or the present to accompany you. Okay. So, Sorrel Roberts, what... And whom would you take with you and why?
1: Okay, so where would you like me to start? Would you like You start
0: wherever you wish.
1: Okay, so I think as as an avid lover of learning, these things do change all the time, but in the past year, it has been all about breath. So the book currently would be called Breath, funnily enough, which is The New Science of a Lost Art by James Nestor. He is a health journalist who found the kind of extraordinary benefits of breathing on his health and then went to find out why. He was like, I know this works, but I can't explain it. I don't understand it. So he went on a kind of whole investigative journey. And the book is a really, really easy read, although I am on my third time through it, because every time I read it, I get something else that I want to use or kind of harvest in some way. So, yeah, that would be my book of choice at the moment. I like the way he weaves in science, his own experience and kind of ancient wisdom.
0: I'm guessing that the, the premise of it is that people who stop breathing, it doesn't work out well for them. Is that the, the gist of the book or is there a golden nugget that's, that's deeper than that you can give us?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, if we stop breathing, we die. That's a given. <laughs> and um, I think this is past year... Well, more than a year now, isn't it? It's been really interesting because breath has had a bit of a moment, what with COVID and everything. Obviously, we all know how to breathe, we all do it every day, but there are ways of breathing that can really help us and ways of breathing that can really not help us. If I was going to give you a golden nugget from it, it would be close your mouth and breathe through your nose. So, noses are for breathing, mouths are for eating and speaking, but breathe in and out through your nose, and it's got extraordinary health benefits
0: wow and for the smokers out there this doesn't apply to you don't stick a cigarette up your nose because this is not going to end well
1: although as you as they inhale through their nose and they're getting that sense of peace and calm it's not necessarily the cigarette there is an argument that is inhaling slowly through the nose that is giving that sense of peace calm and relief but basically they're buying back their breath by paying to smoke
0: (laughs) okay so what else are you putting in your backpack
1: so the tool that I would be putting in my backpack is a clicker ticker which is a digital metronome cost about five pounds would you like to hear it would you like to hear the sound I mean I think we need a demonstration it's pretty unpleasant as a sound just warn you okay okay so here you go
0: And this is why this podcast is Cutting Edge Sorrel.
1: I know, what a thing of beauty. So, it sounds a little bit like a smoke alarm running out of batteries, but this has been key to my breathing practice over the past year. And so every day I breathe to that sound for 20 minutes, inhaling and exhaling through my nose and yeah, it's made a fundamental difference to my sense of well-being, to my sense of peace of mind, to my patience, to my allergies, weirdly, to my hay fever, which has disappeared. Um, so yeah, it would be a digital metronome.
0: So are you breathing in a certain number with your digital metronome?
1: Yeah, so with this, you're breathing in for six, out for six. Okay.
0: So Literally one, two, three, four,
1: five, six, and out. so no
0: pause in between no count for a pause just in six out six in there yeah
1: yeah which is kind of coherent breathing they call it or universal breath and one of the bits of James Nestor's book that I found really really interesting he talks about all the major religions and how their prayers and the time that it takes to do the prayers correlate to a six six breath which I just found fascinating Mm. so whether you're religious or spiritual or not if you are Praying to a six-six rhythm, then you're definitely helping yourself.
0: Mm. So on the six-six, is it six seconds or six counts? Does it it's matter? It's
1: six seconds. Six okay. Seconds. It's roughly, you know, between sort of five and a half or six, but yeah, it's six seconds. Cool.
0: Okay. I mean, I I do like the old-fashioned piano net metronome. Mm. to be honest. I, yeah. I can feel I can justify buying one now for my office and just have it clicking away, driving all of my neighbours insane.
1: Yeah. Well, I think what's really interesting about it as well is the sound. So very much like knitting. don't know if you've ever knitted, David.
0: I believe I did when I was a young child, but not for a okay. while.
1: But so they have a similar effect. Both that, that sound and the effect of knitting is they can turn off your kind of internal monologue. So that, that inner chat mm. that might be kind of rattling away. But both of those things can turn that off, which immediately gives you more space, more capacity, more peace, more potential, more recovery. I think, Mm -hmm. and I think half of our issues, or half of you know my issues, or coaching clients' issues, are about not having space, or time, or pause. So anything that gives us more of that, I think, is interesting.
0: Are you saying that a metronome, a clickety click metronome, would be better than a digital if you had the option?
1: I've tried it with a few different things. I've tried it with like wood blocks and chimes and all sorts um but I think that particular slightly irritating sound does the trick like no other I don't know all the science of why I'm sure there is some but yeah that's based on my personal experience
0: could get the a child just to say daddy 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 like that that would yeah
1: you could try that but I'm not sure that would end well for either party
0: <laughs> for 20 minutes yeah. I mean, in all fairness, I think, I think sometimes my kids do actually say, Daddy, 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 Daddy for 20 minutes. You could try minutes, using like. that as
1: a metronome. You could give that yeah, a go.
0: Record, I could sample it. So you got it. Yeah, Yeah, I might,
1: I might try it next time my children are incessantly saying, Mum, see if I can just breathe through it, it and <clears> give it as an indication to breathe, the, the gift from them to remind me.
0: Hmm, the, the ultimate challenge. Yes. Good. I feel we should move on from metronomes.
1: So, my person, because I, can't, I can not I only take the one book, so I'm going to take this person for their brain and the knowledge within their books, is Lisa Feldman Barrett, who is a neuroscientist and researcher. She's American. Apparently she's in the top 1% quoted neuroscience researchers in the world. She's absolutely phenomenal. She wrote two books. One's Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain, and the other one is How Emotions Are Made, the Secret life, life of the Brain. So I've read seven and a half lessons about the brain and I feel like I need to read it again because it's so rich. It's short, but punchy. And How Emotions Are Made, I'm making my way through, but it's absolutely fascinating. So yeah, she'd be my person so that I can bring her immense brain and ability to communicate science in a way that I find really, really compelling. I've not not always been that interested in science. She makes it, so interesting and i just feel like i could spend hours days months years listening to her so some of the things that really resonate with me are so i would learned some stuff around how you know your emotions are in certain parts of the brain and how your amygdala might get hijacked and you're therefore kind of not in control and you're and she kind of argues against all of that and argues that we're complex we're complex and that basically the the most common thing we have about our brains is complexity and that you can't necessarily pinpoint one area and there's not one way of doing anything but also that we are prediction machines and that i think is the single thing that i've found most interesting so that we our experience is based on our prediction of what's going to happen and that prediction is based on our past experiences based on our context based on what's going on for us currently in our bodies and how we make sense of the world is kind of bringing all of that together to make a prediction. But I started to notice some really weird things. So after reading her book and thinking more and more about prediction, and in a way I think about beliefs or limiting beliefs, they're just predictions, is another Mm. way of looking at them. You know, They're predictions based on our past experiences and our current circumstances. I'll give you an example. I was in the kitchen, my partner had just made dinner, I saw what he'd made and said, that smells delicious. And I realized I hadn't actually smelled it yet. So I had an expectation and a prediction that it was gonna smell delicious based on my experience. I thought there's something in that. There's something in that for coaching. There's something in that for how we process the world. It's a nice positive assumption. I was assuming that it was gonna smell delicious and indeed it did, but how much of that was real and how much of that was constructed? How much does that matter? I'm not sure, but I think it's really, really interesting if we can give people space. So that's where I tie it all together in my mind anyway. So you've got a space, you've got breath, you've got that kind of increased capacity to have more happen because you've paused and there's increased possibility. Then we can start to look at our predictions. We can, if we almost slow it down, we can see what might happen. We can see what else might happen. We kind of further the range of our possibility. Not massively into sports, but (laughs) I've been watching. um, Is it the Euros? That the last big football tournament? Can't remember. Anyway, last big football tournament. Seeing them take the penalties, I was like, "Oh, this is really interesting. You can almost see time slowing down. You know, in their reactions, like this really fast thing is happening, but you can see like an elite sports person is slowing down time to increase their." ability to predict what's going to happen and i just think there's something very very interesting in that and then how we might use our imagination the constructs of our imagination to construct a reality that works better for us than the one we're currently constructing because it's all well a lot of what we do and think and say and respond to is imagined
0: i can i can kind of see this yeah (laughs) if we go back to meditation right it's about being in the moment Mm. and as you say I mean limiting beliefs is a thing that came to my mind it is it is all that prediction of this is going to be a problem yeah and, and anything about anxiety the same thing right yeah I'm only worried about the future I'm worried about worrying sometimes you know and it's it is all of that seeing that prediction
1: mm. and it's a you know with those there's a kind of pathway that you go down okay so this is the likely outcome so you take that well-trodden path but the idea that actually we're complex humans with loads of possibilities available to us with lots of paths available to us and we could choose a different outcome that we might take the road down to and we don't know what's gonna happen. But the idea that we've got different routes available to us if we can entertain different predictions and be more granular about kind of how we express, how we're responding to things.
0: I haven't read or seen Lisa Feldman Barrett that I'm aware of. Yes. So I do not mean to question it without any knowledge on it. Yeah. My thought when you said about not different parts of the brain, I, I'm <laughs> thinking back to the human brain, the chimp brain, the lizard brain kind of yeah. easier non-scientific uh, language. Yeah. And I wonder if it helps people sometimes to think of it like that, though, as, oh, okay, I'm being a very emotional, I've lost the ability to think like with my human brain kind of being emotionally chimp so let me put the human brain back into control kind of you know lower the the lid that's been flipped yeah and so I wonder if it sometimes helps people like that even if it is more complex than that and actually isn't true
1: yeah so the more I've read about her and the more I've understood the more cross I get about this particular subject (laughs) and the whole notion of the lizard brain and the trying brain and so, I'm not an expert, but my understanding is that the kind of theory, um, that theory of the brain, where we kind of evolved from that lizard brain out to, you know, this great uh, notion of human beings as having reason and logic, and that what, that's what sets us apart from the rest of the animal kingdom, she just says is absolutely not true. So, I think the kind of lizard brain thing is a really, really helpful metaphor for some people. But I also think it's a real trap and a real, really unhelpful metaphor for a lot of people. Because, so I've been on coaching courses where people say, you know, it's hijacked on my chimp or it was my lizard brain controlling. And it's the moment we subscribe to that metaphor and it is a metaphor for how the brain works, we no longer have choice or control over our behavior. So, you know, if we believe that this, part of our brain is completely hijacking us. Where, where's the choice? What can we do? What other choices can we make? One of the examples she gives is, so like fight or flight, most people don't do that when they're really scared. They don't do very much at all. know they don't. You, you know, if, if there's a kind of, it's a horrible thing, but if, if a nasty thing happens on a London street, a lot of people just don't do anything. They almost don't see it, doesn't fit in with their prediction of the world. So context being important. In Bali, if you're really, really frightened, you go to sleep. That's what you do. And that's that's culturally the right thing to do when you're frightened. But also, I just find it really interesting. I'm thinking, when I've been really, really scared, what have I done? And I haven't I haven't fought. Yeah, I may have run away. Or I may have just stood there and gone, I'm not frozen, but I'm like, I really don't know what to do here. So fight and flight is an interesting one because it sticks in our consciousness because it rhymes and it's quite catchy but she would argue that that's not actually true and that's not what generally happens so I mean it's been kind of very new learning to me in the past year or so and I'm definitely still getting to grips with it but anything that kind of closes down choice I'm questioning of and anything I mean what's what's challenging I think about her work is that it places more responsibility on us to take responsibility and to choose how we behave. Whereas I think the other older theories conveniently kind of say, oh, well, that's just how we're wired. But they don't really ring true.
0: When I first read Chimp Paradox, or when I first heard about it, someone described it, and they described it exactly as you just said, that, oh, my chimp has taken over and therefore Mm -hmm. it's not me. I think they were getting smashed or something like that right and it was oh, it's not me and and when i read it it wasn't that it was that i think that we have the choice of what's going on and so we have the choice of closing our lid and and putting our human brain back in control if you like Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe maybe it's an interpretation maybe maybe i've read it wrong and maybe (laughs) that others have have implied that it is a separate control or maybe there's different theories that
1: Hmm. i'm sure i mean i'm sure there are a multitude of theories i just found it really really interesting you know, she even, she, so I've heard so much about the amygdala being the kind of fear center. And she's like, it's not, if that wasn't there, there'd be another part of your brain that would do that. So it's just interesting to me when we accept something as a given, especially when it's got a kind of pseudo, or even pseudo, when it's got a scientific name and it's, you know, by someone proper, what we accept as opposed to questioning. Okay. So, you know, what do I think about this if I kind of zoom in zoom out look at this in a different way breathe and bring my imagination to bear then what else is possible Mm. and I think also maybe tackling those very situations that we might find tricky or difficult in that kind of space of peace of mind or calm or a more kind of capacious if that's even a word but I'm going to decide it is today yeah a space with more capacity what's that like what what more is possible for us than just believing that it's like this or like that or we're fighting against some inner reptile
0: Mm. good well and, and we're in agreement I feel we are both in agreement that we are in control human beings we are in control of our actions and that we don't have this other part of us that is taking over
1: yeah I mean I don't you know I don't of course there's unconscious and of course there's physical stuff going on and all of that but I just think there's what's going on with it, within us there's what's going on in our context there's what's going on in our culture there's so many things at play and it's complex so in a way I think I'm quite interested in the things that make it simpler even if they're for a short amount of time <laughs> how can we bring something simple in that helps us
0: well look before our inner chimps start smashing down the doors, oh, banned! They're
1: banned. Oh,
0: sorry, sorry, sorry. They're banned. They're not uh, allowed. Your backpack is full. Sorry, yeah. you've got James Nestor's breath, the new science of a lost art. Your six-six breathing technique. Your metronome. And not in the backpack, but going with you is Lisa Feldman Barrett. Yes. So, when we are going away, sometimes things sneak in our backpack that we don't want to be there. So, what would you want to make sure is not Going in your backpack,
1: other than, other than notions of the reptilian brain and an inner chimp.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you want to stress that again, but I feel we've covered that, you know, sufficiently. But yeah, if you want to, if you want if you want to hammer that home, then you're. So what would
1: I not want to take? What I would not want to take is something that I think is quite rife in our industry, which is a kind of belief, propensity, addiction to change being hard, change being a struggle, change being difficult. So I'd like to just leave that, thanks, and maybe kind of go on our merry way with the idea that change could be as easy as a twist of the kaleidoscope. And with it, we've got an amazing, different transformed view all the same stuff there, all the same colours, but transformed into different shapes to kind of light us on our merry way.
0: Yeah, I like to kind of landscape. I've got to be honest, there were some toys when I was a kid that were a bit crap, right? Mm-hmm. And I know this is not the point of the podcast, but very quickly, what was the worst toy that you not either you had or you saw when you were a kid?
1: Isn't that funny? I find that really, really hard to think of. I go to my favourite, the one that I really loved, Girls World Head. So it was a head, she, you could grow her hair and put makeup on her, and I, I prayed. i did, not religious, but I did pray for the girl's world, doll head thing. Did you get one? I did get one. Right. I did get one, and it. Was, How old
0: were you? An adult when you bought yourself this?
1: I was not. I was okay. a small, I was a young child. I was a young child, but it was it was everything that I had wanted it to be. Thing yeah. of wonder. But yeah, tell me about your rubbish toy.
0: Etch a sketch.
1: Do you not love them?
0: No, fucking hate them. There we go. I'm going to beep it out.
1: So I gave my child one the other day. She oh, shit. <laughs> but, yeah,
0: thanks for that. I oh. thought
1: I'd done a good thing.
0: <clears throat> okay. Uh, well, thank you, Sorrel, for being on the podcast. Uh, I just, they're impossible to use. Like, Why would you ever want to draw a line by having to turn one or one way? Oh, on, yeah. On the oh, other, no. Just yeah, so they you can't
1: can. make it. A- okay. Yeah. No, you see, I'm thinking about the modern version, which is the same sort of format, but you've got like a pen thing
0: okay, and right. then you do
1: it. And then you that's can...
0: That's a totally different well, thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, OK, I've got you. I was thinking about the newfangled sketches. sketches okay, i account with you.
0: Yeah, I was born in the 70s, so... Uh, so uh, was we, I. We, yeah, we <laughs> had... You know, we were lucky to get any toys then. A piece of coal and an orange was normally yeah. what you'd get, right?
1: Yeah, exactly that.
0: OK, I feel another podcast going on, which is uh, toys from your childhood. But anyway, uh, let's move on. So I've got one last that's question.
1: That's a breathing exercise, actually. What's that? So it's called The Accomplishment of Joy. But you think about your favourite toy from childhood when you're doing it. So there you go.
0: I'm loving this even more. I'm going to keep on breathing. <laughs> You've sold yeah. breathing to me, you know?
1: It, that's week two, Breath for Coaches. <laughs> Accomplishment of joy, like your favourite toy.
0: Not your least favourite toy, though, because then you just start hyperventilating and mumbling, Extra yeah. sketch. sketch yeah, 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 yeah. OK, one last question. Uh, oh. Where do you hope that you are or are not heading for this fictional coaching gig?
1: So I'd like to be going to Zanzibar, please
0: okay yeah uh, do you, uh, any reason
1: <laughs> never been always wanted to go looks amazing on my wish list um so you know if i'm going for peace of mind and joy and sunshine and adventure and far flung travels and all those things that have not been possible recently then um yeah i have bar, please and it just sounds good doesn't it
0: it does sound it does sound good do you know an interesting fact about Zanzibar? Tell me. Freddie Mercury from Queen was born in Zanzibar.
1: I did not know that.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, so thank you so much, Sorrel, for coming on the Coach's Backpack. Pleasure. If people would like to know more about you and your yeah. breath, where can they go?
1: Sorrelroberts.com. So I've got a website with kind of upstate workshops and. linkedin or you know usual usual channels you can find me there
0: thank you sorrel roberts for coming on the coach's backpack
1: thank you very much for having me
0: and thank you for joining us on this episode of the coach's backpack if you would like extra goodies such as free tools offers further info about our guests and maybe even the odd peek inside their actual backpack sign up to our mailing list at thecoachesbackpack.com and don't forget to follow the podcast too. see you next time